the two hours that you're on stage, that's not work. That's never the work. It's the 22 hours that you have to spend with the rest of the people that you're on the road with. That's the work. If you're a professional singer, want to know how to turn singing into a career, or simply love to hear stories from singers on the road, then The Working Singer is the podcast for you. I chat with pro singers about how they make a creative living in the music business, lending their talent to stars like Enrique Iglesias, The Killers, Elvis Costello, and more. They share life lessons, business advice, and how they make a living when they're off the road. We'll also discuss vocal health, technique, performance, coaching, and pretty much all things vocal. Elevate your approach to your singing career, get enlightened about what the pros do, and be inspired with new ideas that you can make your own. My name is Jamila Ford, and this is the Working Singer Podcast. Everyone, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited about this interview with Erica Canales. She is so fun and interesting, and she is brilliantly talented. Um, before we get into it, I just want to thank you all who reached out about the first podcast with Celia Chavez. I loved that you loved it. I loved that you could relate. I felt like um, even if you weren't a singer, you could relate to, you know, deferring a dream for a number of years and then, you know, hopefully, you know, coming back to it and just living the life that you want to live everybody can relate to that I think to some degree so I really appreciated that you listened and that you loved it so my guest today Erica Canales um, is a wonderful singer songwriter voice vocal coach she currently tours with the killers um, she has worked on projects for Gwen Stefani and Grace Potter um, she also has her own vocal trio called the songbirds they are nuts they are so good you can't even you can't I, I can't even phenomenal doesn't even begin to describe it it's gorgeous and you can find them at the songbirds music on Instagram um, and check out their posts really just lovely um, wonderful I am excited so without further ado Erica Canales let's get into it Erica Canales, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Well, it's all good. I'm happy to be here. It's fun to it's fun to talk about what we do. Absolutely. And nobody understands it. So I thought it'd be fun to <laughs> enlighten some people. <laughs> That's very true. Sometimes my mother is very confused by it too. She's like, oh, I get it. Okay. And then she forgets that I'm off somewhere doing something. It's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um well, cool. So where are you from? Uh, I'm originally from Texas, South Texas, a little town called Victoria. Um, and uh, I grew up in San Diego from a military family. So like I, we, we got transferred to San Diego. And so I grew up there um, living there since about nine. Hmm. And then I came here um, uh, to L.A. about uh, 19. I was 19. So there you go. Oh, wow. <laughs> what was life like growing up? In San Diego? Um, well, in Texas, it was great. We, we, we moved around a couple of times just being a military family. So um, I like Texas. It's fun. It's, a, it's an interesting landscape now, but um, I do feel like I got pretty spoiled growing up for like formative years in San Diego, for sure. Mm. Um, I got to experience a lot of things I don't think you get to in a real small town in Texas. So, um, but San Diego is actually quite small too. I think people forget that. <laughs> so, um, I just felt spoiled. There were lots of beaches. I I was able to find a really great music um, um, organization there as a kid, and just um, was very nurturing out outside of the public school, but also inside the public school mm. um, district. So yeah, I felt really lucky growing up in San Diego. Were you singing in school? Um, I sang in school as much as I possibly could until I until my sophomore year in high school, mm -hmm. and and then unfortunately the public school I attended um, it was a gifted and talented um, school, but mostly for aeronautics and engineering. Oh wow! So they did not focus very much on music, and I think the first year I attended they tried, but then the it didn't didn't go very well. So um, 
luckily before I entered that high school, um, I had found a program called the San Diego Youth Master Corral, um, run by a really incredible woman named Eileen Moss. Mm. And I found that when I was in about seventh or eighth grade, I think, mm. and um, and was able to kind of be uh, with that program throughout uh, high school. So um, it was a big, big part of, of my um, extracurricular activities in high school. Oh, so nice. So yeah. And that was a really, really fun experience. <laughs> we did a lot of stuff. She was tough. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah it's, yeah. it's great to have a good, you know, a great teacher, but a firm teacher who like kind of drills in those lessons, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. She taught us how to read music. She, um, I trained classically with her, did musical mm. theater with her. Mm. We did a lot of pro, we did a lot of like musical programs. I think that, you know, they, they maybe don't stress very much now, but that really made a huge difference for me in what I do now. Um, just being able to sing with the group and uh, stay on your stay on your part and you know performance and uh, one of the cool things I got to do is be in the San Diego Opera being a part of that program so that was fun. yeah when I was about 16 I was in um, um, Aida Verdi's Aida as one of the chorus members mm -hmm. <laughs> and it just was like it was my first paying gig <laughs> Oh, cool. Yeah, it was kind of like a really cool experience to go into, you know, the San Diego Civic Center, Civic Theater and and be on stage and like see props and makeup and, you know, the whole thing that goes into showbiz. So that was that was when I got the bug for sure. So mm -hmm. then you you graduate from high school and then what happens? Mm -hmm. uh, then I went to Musicians Institute when I was 19. I kind of graduated, I say, I want to say I graduated high school, and then I kind of took like a little bit of a gap year, so to speak, I guess. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. Um, I had, I had, you know, like auditioned for colleges and things like that, but, um, you know, coming from like a solid middle class family, it was hard to afford going out of state for college. Mm. And programs that I'd been accepted to just more it wasn't a possibility to go at the time mm -hmm. um, financially so um so I just um kind of took a year and just sort of went to community college kind of tried to like do other things and I just it didn't resonate with me at all mm -hmm. and my mom could see I was like oh this is not for me Mm. Um, and so on a really random trip to visit one of my best friends in college in San Francisco, uh, or Oakland, actually, she, um, I discovered, um, Musicians Institute in like a team people magazine. It was really random. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I just remember like t looking at this article and being like, wow, this is really cool. Like they described it as like a boot camp for musicians and mm. people to be live performers and all this stuff and I was like that sounds really cool so mm. I like worked for you know like my audition fee and my uh, like my admission fee and, and did my little audition tape and sent it in mm -hmm. got accepted and um and then uh moved to Hollywood like six months later <laughs> so I it was it was like a really whirlwind experience and I just was like, here's where I'm going. Nineteen, I just Wow. You know, not a lot of money in my bank account. <laughs> I get a full time job. Um, I lived a block away I lived three blocks away from the school. I worked a block away from the school. I was in Hollywood proper wow. in October of ninety nine actually. So I will have been here almost twenty years next year. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. When you think of the 90s as being like 20 years ago, does it just blow your mind? Because I think about it sometimes, oh. like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Definitely. I'm always I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening? I'm, I'm perpetually stuck in the 90s, though. I, I've never, never left. <laughs> I know. Same here. <laughs> I, love, I love my combat boots. I, I, love my, I love my grunge wear. I still wear flannel if I get the yep. chance. I, I've I, got, I just bought some flannel, so I understand. <laughs> so you get it, you get it. I understand. <laughs> oh, man, I still wear tights and the baby doll dresses and the oh. red lipstick. And the, like, I was into it. And the jokers. I was totally into it. And I still oh, do it now. Yeah. I still do it now. I love it. Oh, yeah. 
and it's kind of making its way back in, you know. I know. And I say that all the time I go shopping. I'm like, I could have totally kept my clothes. I know. <laughs> I keep it. It would be vintage now. That's crazy. <laughs> yes, we're some, a little dough, I think. <laughs> we're vintage. I like that. I'll take that. Vintage. <laughs> I'll keep it there. <laughs> good. Yes. yes, I love it. That's what happened. That's what happened after high school. I just I went to MI and I wanted to study voice, um, voice education, voice teaching and just study the voice as much as I could and learn everything I could about it. And um, I stayed there for two and a half years and, and, and graduated BIT, the Vocal Institute of Technology at MI, mm-hmm. and, um, and apprenticed and studied under a really great uh, vocal teacher named Dina Murray and, mm-hmm. um, and kind of had to relearn how to sing. Uh, it was really mm-hmm. interesting. I came as a classically trained like musical theater type mm-hmm. of singer and very quickly into MI's um into the experience at MI I was losing my voice um, and I had a really hard time like singing a lot of the modern music without um mm-hmm. and doing bad bad habits uh or just trying to sing and I had no stamina so mm. I worked really closely with Dina. She got my voice back in about nine months. Mm. So that is the method I teach when I have students. And that's the, that's the method I have adhered to since, since then. So I've been singing like that and I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> it holds up. So you went to MI, you studied with Dina, and then you graduated. And mm-hmm. then what happened? Um, then I... Uh, kind of went, I think, on the same journey that a lot of our peers go on, which is, do I want to be a solo artist? Mm. And, you know, I want to make my own music, and do I want to be a rock star? And, mm-hmm. you know, because I feel like MI had this um, way of making everyone feel really special and making everyone feel like they're in a little bit of a bubble. Mm. And, um, and so when that bubble, bubble is gone or you leave it, um, you kind of feel like uh, you're on a high and can kind of do anything but um but then you enter the real world (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) and then you discover very quickly as i think anybody graduating from college does or anybody graduating from anything where they've been in a an educational bubble um you gotta do the work Mm -hmm. so um i took a day job i've had a day job um, all the entire time that I've lived in LA up until about two or three years ago. No, maybe two years ago. So, um, so I've always worked and I've always had a mostly a full-time job and, um, and then also had music. So, um, you know, got to pay the bills sort of thing. Once you get out, you got to pay off those student loans. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. So from that period, I mean, from, um, I, I think like, from like 2001 when I graduated till about 2007 I gave it a good good go and did a record and wrote some songs that made it on tv shows and films and um I was a working musician and but it was still very much Mm part-time and it was like you know when the you know um when really wonderful things would happen it was great but it was like um it was few and you know few and far between, or not as not as consistent as a day job sort of right. thing. So, um, but I did some really cool things during that time. Like I was, you know, in a I was in a Chris Rock film. I, I did um, I did some, uh, I did some songwriting with a couple of guys who are now in this great band called the Record Company. Mm. But we go back, like we go, <laughs> we saw each other recently, and. Um, and we were talking about all the stuff we used to do together and how we placed these random songs in great TV shows and still mm-hmm. still get fun residuals. Nice. <laughs> and, um, and then I put out a record in 2007. I worked with a really great producer named Scott Siever. Um, and it's sort of a rock, pop rock record. Wasn't what I thought it, it was um, going to be because I went in actually saying I kind of wanted to do like a, Joss Stone kind of record, like a soul record, soul mm. record thing. And mm. um, it became a very different thing. 
um, just just because I was writing different stuff at the time and mm. I was getting influenced by different things at the time. And Scott was a very you know very early days producer, so we did a lot of cool stuff. And I put that record out in 2007 and did some shows in New York and did some stuff in LA and we had the management thing and did that sort of thing. But something just wasn't resonating again for me. And I was like, this probably isn't what I want to do. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to be this kind of star. Like, I guess it just wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't love being on uh, the stage so alone, I guess, so to speak. So I very quickly discovered that that wasn't my bag. Mm -hmm. I loved that I loved writing music and I loved singing and I loved working and the creative process of it. Mm -hmm. it didn't I didn't necessarily have to be the vehicle that it, it um, was being driven by. So mm -hmm. I took a break <laughs> and for about 10 years, I did a completely different job. Wow. And I left music behind or, or didn't really leave it behind. It became a, it became a hobby um where it made me happy to do it when i wanted to do it versus feeling like i needed to make it mm. make it um successful in that way so yeah. it became, I'd be, i wanted to fall in love with it again and because mm. i'd kind of fallen out of it and so um i took a break for like a decade and did a completely different job in, in a different industry wow. and went into fashion and became a producer for fashion photography and fashion photographers and oh that and, sounds like fun yeah and it was very it was very rewarding and um uh i just i accidentally fell into it um through the day jobs and just became very good at taking care of people and um and doing you know these campaigns um kind of all over the world so i got to see a lot of the world but i wasn't doing music <laughs> to do yeah. it so yeah. it was interesting and I just, um, I started to really see that industry um, in a not so great light towards the end of my career there, like towards the end of my wanting to have a career in production. So, which ended around 2014. So, mm. um, so I, kind of walked away <laughs> i had a really had a really great job and I was doing really well i had a lot of contacts and i was a very i was doing really well and sought after to work with and i just was like i don't, I don't want to do this anymore um because it just there it fashion can be a really ugly business as beautiful as sure. things that come out of it are so um so i got out and I realized that I still had this other thing that I was doing mm. that I really did love and mm. I wasn't um, nurturing it. So around 2009, I met a couple of girls named, um, or not met, Gabby and I actually went to school together, but we formed a band called The Songbirds um, with Gabby Moreno and Daniel D'Andrea. I met Gabby at MI, we went to school together. <laughs> so she's one of the people I've known the longest in the city. And then I met Danny around 2008, 2009, because we were in the same wedding band company. Uh -huh. But I also did that. <laughs> I, was also oh, yeah. I think we all end up doing that at some yeah. point. <laughs> so it's like, it's really funny. Yeah, you do the corporate events and things like that. So we were in the same company, different band, yeah. but same company. And so we, um, we met that way. And the girls had wanted to form a trio, vocal trio, and we, I, you know, we had a couple of shows, or she, they, the girls had a couple of shows, and um, and we decided to learn this really hard Boswell Sisters song with um, for Gabby, one of Gabby's shows, mm -hmm. and when we learned it, nailed it, performed it, and just it felt really great, and mm -hmm. so we kept going, and so that started around two thousand nine. Mm. And uh, and so that was kind of my where I would go when I wanted to feel a little bit of that love of music again and be happy and in a nice place and um, and then we started to pick up um, uh, things along the way like people wanted to book us and they wanted to send us out on the road and they want you know it's just stuff started happening with that all very organically so 
um, in when I was ready to walk away from the production stuff in 2014, um, this was there, mm-hmm. and, um, and we were able to do some really great things. Um, and toured Australia a couple times. Went to Guatemala with Gabby and her families, um, and her um, uh, sort of festival circuit out there, and did some stuff as you know as the songbirds. And then, um, and so. 2014 was sort of the change, the shift to music full time. <laughs> and just kind of like doing that where, um, where I would occasionally do some production work, but not as much. And it became about music again. Mm. And, um, and then my, um, my father passed away in July of 2014. Mm, sorry. And, oh, thank you. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Thank you. Um, and then really everything kind of um, happened. So um, I got a call from uh, Jeff Young, um, you know, the Jackson Brown peeps and the band and Steely Dan and his, his world um, um, to do something for Danny Harrison, George Harrison's son. Mm-hmm. And along with uh, Danny D'Andrea, and we performed at something called um, George, George Week, George Harrison Week on Conan O'Brien. Mm. And then, um, uh, sorry, it was, we did that uh, performance with him. Mm-hmm. And then um, I got a call a couple of days later, from, or not, yeah, I think a couple of days later from the MD of Conan, Jimmy Bovino, asking for my availability that weekend. And I was like, oh, I'm totally around. Um, Danny was recording her own solo project, so she wasn't. And then I ended up working with Holly Palmer, um, who you probably know as well. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was on. She was on this um, event that they were throwing called George Fest. That was supposed to be a night of music celebrating George Harrison mm. and his box set. So Danny had called and said, "I want these girls to come in." And uh, Danny wasn't available, and Holly was actually on the gig. So. I was coming in to replace someone that they just didn't vibe with. Mm. And and then um, they called me on Thursday night. I showed up on Friday morning. Wow. 10 10 a.m. And rehearsals with the artists on the lineup started at 1. So (laughs) I had to learn a bunch of music in a very short amount of time. And then the show was on Sunday. So... um, Thankfully, Holly and the best, best band, the Cabin Down Below band, they were amazing and got me caught up <laughs> and, really, and really helped through that process. And I just jumped in the deep end and wow. did the performance on Sunday. And then that became uh, a music CD. It became a CD, an album, a live show album. And then it became a movie that they premiered on like VH1 and MTV and all these crazy, like, I was like, wow, okay. So that really kicked off things for me. And that is where I met my current boss, uh, Brandon Flowers. Right. And he um, invited me to come out on his solo tour in 2015 and 2016 called The Desired Effect for his second solo record. And then... Um, and for those who don't know who um, Brandon Flowers is. Yeah. Oh, yes. Brandon Flowers is the lead singer of The Killers. <laughs> I always am like, yeah, no, he's just Brandon. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, dude. <laughs> so he, he, um, he met me on George Fest. He remembered me and um, uh, reached out to the, their, their team of people that put that show together and asked for me to submit my info because he wanted to... Um, invite me out to do a solo tour so that happened and in February of 2015 I was in Las Vegas for rehearsals and life was totally different (laughs) and it was my very first tour so uh world tour so I was like whoa this is awesome (laughs) um and like life just kind of changed so yeah yeah and Along the way, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, I feel like so many random things happened. We worked with so many great artists being a part of the Songbirds, 
we worked with so I worked with great artists on my own just um, in random things that would come up all, all along the way I never really stopped music entirely mm-hmm. I just sort of put it on the back burner a bit and I was like I want to love it again so you know and right now I'm kind of loving this and so I just was like I need a break and um, and the really wonderful thing I think about what we do and like music in general is that um, it's never really gone. Yeah. And, and uh, I remember saying to someone, it's very cruel mistress because we love it and we hate it and we drive us <laughs> <laughs> nuts, but we love it. You know, it's like, it's, it's, um, it's a really wonderful gift that we, that, you know, we in the community have been given. And, um, and so when we get to use it fully and we get to our, you know, get to a really great place of, of meeting our potential or, or just being in a room full of musicians we admire or people that we love to listen to or our peers, it feels really good. Mm. So that's, it, it was really an easy transition um, wow. to just come right back. Fortunately, I know it's not always like that. <laughs> I was really lucky. Someone was looking out for me and a lot of people were like word of mouth. Um, for me, which was really great and still, still is that way. So, um, so yeah. And then up until about, I think 2016 did some spot dates with Brandon. Um, and then, uh, was in LA doing, you know, session work and studio work, working with other really great artists while I was here. Mm-hmm. Um, worked with a great, uh, band out of London called until the ribbon breaks, um, or out of England and did uh, Gwen Stefani's Christmas album with Grace Potter and uh, Laura Mace. And, um, and then just did, and also when I worked with Brandon, the very first week we worked with him, he put us on his solo records. So wow. I, I'd kind of just been like, he wanted us to come in and do some BBs. So, um, so it just has been a really wonderful, you know, last few years of just sort of jumping back in and it was the right time and felt like everything happened organically. So, um, and then, um, I had, um, some downtime and, uh, got a call, um, last May about, uh, joining the killers for their world tour for their, um, latest release. Wonderful, wonderful. And so I just finished that about two weeks ago (laughs) and now I'm back in LA. So that brings us here. (laughs) Very cool. Yeah, Yeah, that is a very, um, that's about as organic as it gets, I think. You know, that has like so so much flow to it. (laughs) It's just like, and it's just what happens. It's like word of mouth and you know these people and these people. And you can't really predict, I suppose, you know, what is going to happen, what call you're going to get tomorrow Mm -hmm. and who saw you where you know, and, and they heard you and they liked what they, and you're like, Oh, you what? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was still very surprised that I heard that story this year while I was on the road with the killers. I didn't know that that had all happened behind the scenes until wow. about late, I'd say last year at this time, someone, someone from that camp was like, yo, yeah, he was, he had already picked you. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. Wow. Cool, you know, and just, yeah, you never know who's watching. You never know who's listening. It's wild. <laughs> How do you treat your singing as a business? Do you, do you feel like it is a business for you or? Um, yeah, because it's the only thing that I do right now that is <laughs> money making, I guess. <laughs> um, it's so funny because there was that, I don't know if you know, this Elizabeth Gilbert book that came out after her Eat, Pray, Love thing talking about how uh, you know don't i'm gonna get i might not this is paraphrasing but don't make your art about being lucrative Mm. you know and i'm not a fan by the way of elizabeth gilbert but it was interesting that she came out with this book and i struggle with this i think we all struggle with this of like um do i want to look at it like a business and run it like a business or do i want to just enjoy myself and make music and be happy and be free and all that stuff. Um, but when they, when they do sort of collide, I guess, mm-hmm. um, it can get complicated, you know, mm-hmm. cause we, we got bills to pay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 
I do, I do have a, I guess a little bit of a business eye on it mm-hmm. um, now. I didn't before because everything was sort of happening to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I'm, I'm supposed to be here. And like, this is, you know, like, uh, you know, um, it just sort of, everything, things were just happening. Mm-hmm. And so now, um, one of the things I told myself once this stuff started, where I was touring, I was like, well, what do you want? What, what makes you happy? If you have to be happy in the things, in, in the things that you're doing and in the, in the world that you're in musically right now and, and around, you know, other, other people that are, are just like you um, and talented, um, what does it look like? And so I was like, I love to teach. That was always something I wanted to do. Mm. Uh, and I love, I love, making um making people aware of their voices and how they feel when they're singing and like just that being um something that they love to do so i that was a big thing i was like okay you want to teach um i love writing uh, uh, writing music for other people doesn't necessarily have to be for me um and um and that became very very um very apparent while I was on the break from the Brandon Flower Store to the Killer Store, I was doing a lot of writing mm. um, and getting a lot of getting getting those songs in front of a lot of pretty high, high profile people that were like, "No, these are yeah, keep going." Mm. And um, and so I was like, "Okay, so you want to write? You want to pub? You, you want to publish? You want to get these songs out? It doesn't have to be for you, but you should get them out." Yeah. Um, and um, and then you want to tour. So, but for me, out of all of those things, I really, really, really love touring. Mm-hmm. It's just fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, I'm good at it. And it's not, it's not easy. So yeah. those are the three things where I was like, okay, so this is what your business looks like. This is your business model. So mm. what do you have to do for those three things to be successful or in your opinion, successful? Because it's all relative what's successful to you might not look successful to me and, and vice versa. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but it's success nonetheless, I think. So, yeah. um, so that's, that's really where I do go, okay, this is a business and what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we go out, we network, we talk to people. Mm-hmm. My idea of networking is basically this. <laughs> like you <and> I, <laughs> Um, I like, I want a coffee. I want to hang out. Like, how are you doing? Like, I know this is about me right now, but I'm like, how's Jamila doing? Like, what's, what's she yeah. up to? What's no, I, yeah, <laughs> it can be normal. You know, we can be like normal together and <laughs> it doesn't yeah. have to be like this shallow thing where you're trying to get yeah. something from someone. It's just, you know, yeah. friendship yeah. is really, I think what it is. It's kind of yeah. building friendships and trying to see who you vibe with, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, that's how I have to, that's how I have to think about it. Otherwise I think of the word network and I'm like, Oh Jesus. <laughs> Same. I am like, Oh God, what do I, what? <laughs> like it's not my favorite. And it used to be my least favorite thing when I really was fully immersed in music. Mm. Um, I found that in my other, I always call it my other life now uh, in the production world and in fashion, I had no problem being like, Oh yeah, this is like, this is what I've done. And, Here's why I know. And oh, do you know this? It was easy because there wasn't any, I, there was, there was no pressure. Mm. It just was what it was. And with music and, and, um, and just being in this, in this town, um, you know, it, it becomes something very different. So mm. it wasn't as easy for me to be like, oh yeah, of course I know that person or, oh, I worked with that person. Or like, I just, I felt like, I felt like an interloper sometimes. <laughs> I was like, hmm. no, but you are supposed to be here. You are, you do know these people. It's okay. And like, mm. you know, it's not a big deal. Like, yes, you should. I had to learn that. And from watching many other people do it gracefully, that no one is going to talk. No one's going to sing your praises like you will. Mm. So someone's got to do it. Mm. And, and there is a way to do it very easily and very naturally and very authentically. Mm. Um, 
which I think you and I have like that's what we do. We're like, let's catch up. How you doing? Like, what's up? Yeah. How's like how's your life? And what are you experiencing? And all you know, like that sort of thing. It's like that's authentic to me. That feels good. Yeah. So I think that's what I look for now when I'm trying to be like in the net like quote unquote network (laughs) (laughs) thing of like, okay, cool. You gotta do this, you know, be authentic. Just be because real recognizes real that's where I come from so absolutely (laughs) absolutely I you know I do think you know and and real will repel fake you know Mm -hmm. and because fake doesn't know how to deal with real that's my that's my philosophy after all these many years as a as an adult (laughs) (laughs) and it's true and people see more than we think and hear more than we think. Like even if we're thinking, gosh, I wish I wish so and so would really see how this person actually is. Mm. Um, I think the surprising thing I've learned um, being in this industry is they do. Mm. They really do. So it doesn't escape people as much as I think. So um, yeah, I yeah I feel like that's really businessy. The business end of it is just you know being. It looks to me like teaching and writing and touring and mm-hmm. however I've got to make those things possible. I'm still working it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I will say, and I, I can't remember who said this, the fact that some musicians will think of, you know, maybe writing songs uh, for other people or writing songs for film and TV as like, mm-hmm. or commercials, especially as like, um, you know, dirty and, you know, cheesy and, you know, all that kind of thing. And this person was just like, listen, you know, the Sistine Chapel was commissioned. That was a commissioned work. And Picasso commissioned work, you know, or work was commissioned from him. And these people died very, very rich. And I don't know about, you know, their personal lives or how fulfilled they were, but there's this whole idea of like starving artist is utter nonsense because it wasn't, I think this is the era where, where that kind of thing is like expected or accept, you know, I'm not sure if it's acceptable, but it is like a notion that people Mm -hmm. have, like you're doing art and nobody will or should pay you for it. You're either starving or you're Beyonce. And, you know, I think, you know, this is why I wanted to do this podcast because, you know, I, I know a lot of singers who are not Beyonce and and are just Mm -hmm. making creative living. You know, mm-hmm. and you're an, a glowing example of that. It's like fantastic. <laughs> um, I agree. No, I agree. I see it. To- yeah, I I think this is also the era where that's going to end. Like that, there people are not going to continue to be like you can't be working and being creative. Like that's that that's what the that's where the that's where I disagreed with like the Elizabeth Gilbert thing, where it was like y- you know you have you got to work. See, we just saw that too with the guy from the Cosby show, right? Where people were shaming him for having a job at Trader Joe's because he had to work. And it was this idea that like, oh, you call yourself an artist, so you must, and and you work with these people and you must be successful. And and they don't understand that like, you know, no, I'm not Beyonce. I have to pay my bills and I have to work. I love what I do and I'm happy to do the work, but it's work you know, right. and, and it's totally fine. And I have no problem um, uh, lending my artistry to, to something that's going to be successful for me, monetarily or, you know, um, name-wise or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm not like, who's the highest bidder sort of situation? I mean, I'm obviously going to be discerning, but, mm-hmm. but, um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with, um, working <laughs> working as <laughs> right. and having to do that. Yeah. yeah yeah you gotta you gotta yeah um, but yes so that's how I, I feel okay about it <laughs> I know like, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm happy to write for film and tv and I'm happy to write for other artists and mm-hmm. work work is work man I, I like, think it's fun. I mean, you know, people talk about like <laughs> what your hobby is and what you do for fun. I'm just like, I, I work. It's yeah. fun. <laughs> I listen to podcasts or, you know, it's what you, you know, you gotta, 
at, at every turn you've got, you got to do what you love. So, yeah. I mean, it's hard. It is all, I mean, that's a very Pollyanna idealistic way to look at things. And I think that a lot of people sometimes think that that's a thing I have, but I'm really lucky. Yeah. So that is why I have that outlook. You know, I think, uh, I was just talking to somebody this morning, <laughs> recording a podcast. So funny. Yeah. <laughs> this morning um and you know we we're just talking about the fact that you know in life there's going to be some measure of suffering anyway you know mm -hmm. there's going to be some challenge you've got no control over you know what's really going to happen during that challenge or whatever and right. so you may as well you know take advantage of those moments uh where you can find joy where you can do something that you that you love mm -hmm. um, because life is so short. We have no clue how short. And I, I for one think that that's a, it's not how I've always approached life. And mm -hmm. um, lately I've just found, you know, it's kind of a waste of time to not, uh, not live in a way where you're um, looking for joy or not accepting joy or not, you know, allowing yourself to experience it. Life's just going to be, you know, what it's going to be. Let's just find that joy, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so. it's really hard for people sometimes it's really hard but yeah so it's good when you find it and it's good when you can just be okay with it and mm -hmm. when you can recognize it you know yeah. sometimes you're in a state where you just can't so true very true and i i feel like you see a lot of people like that um in certain kinds of situations for sure mm. who just, just are looking around at things and going and only focusing on the negative and not focusing on like, oh, hey, something good came out of it. Yeah. Or something good will come out of it. You know, yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> and I think back to just being in the business that we're in, I think people are looking at like, um, you know, we're looking at our peers and we're, there's a constant comparison that goes on for people. I stopped doing that or I have limited myself from it as much mm. as I possibly can. Mm. And, and now look at it like, you know, that's their journey. Like, mm. you know, I can't, like, that's not my journey. Why, you know, if the questions come up, well, like, why is that person getting that gig? Or why is that, you know, like, um, cause I'm human <laughs> and I want to work. Um, and then I have to go, Oh, and I rewind the tape and just go, okay, wait, that's fine. That's their journey. Yeah. So let me see. I got like one. Well, actually, two more questions. If I'm a new singer, what yeah. can I, you know, going on my first big tour with a, a major band like the Killers, yeah. what what can I expect to come up for me? Um. Well, <laughs> it's really funny that you mentioned that because when I went on my very first one uh, with Brandon, I mm -hmm. sat down and like met up with all my friends that I knew that were touring or had been on big tours, and I was like, what do I do? what's like, what, what should I expect? Mm -hmm. A really good friend of mine who met me for coffee and he was like, cool, what do you want to know? And I was like, okay, well, like what's it all about? And he said to me, and I'll never forget this. And I say this to people all the time. He said, the two hours that you're on stage, that's not work. That's never the work. That's, right. he's like, it's the 22 hours that you have to spend with the rest of the people that you're on the road with. Mm. that's the work because mm. you got to be cool like it's i mean the other thing i've heard is it's the vibe the money and the hang mm -hmm. so um if you get two out of three that's great if you get three out of three that's great but um if they can't hang with you if you have a whack vibe and the money's not great i mean it's like it's, it's gonna be tough yeah but, but not saying give up the job. I'm just saying like, those are your challenges, you know? Mm -hmm. um, um, I think that that was really valuable advice because you are around a lot of people that you don't know mm -hmm. whose personalities you haven't been able to gauge quite yet. Um, yeah. You're also dealing with an artist who um, your role is support. Yeah. So if you're not comfortable being in a role of support because you feel that you should be up there, mm -hmm. that's going to get old real fast mm. and it will trouble you. 
Mm. So, and, and a lot of times that that will probably come out in some other way mm. along, along the tour that you're on. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, it was invaluable information that he gave me when he said that. And, and, and that has come true every single time. Mm. And, um, you know, I ha- there's a part of me that obviously thinks that, you know, I got called to be a part of this, t- the last tour because he had toured with us before mm-hmm. and he was comfortable, you know, mm-hmm. and I knew a lot of the band members and I just made a good impression and I'm good at what I do. And, you know, all those things, all those things matter, but mm-hmm. you're on the road. It's, it's, uh, it, you know, you're, you're, you're getting on and off of planes. You're getting on and off of buses at really crazy times. You're, you know, you're tired. You can get cranky. You can, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not flexible, it's gonna it's gonna be tough for you. Yeah. So flexibility is key. And then obviously just having a really like knowing not to take stuff personally and knowing that it is about you getting along with people. It's a big part of the job is mm. getting and being cool. <laughs> like being really chill. You can on your face. It's hard. It's really hard. I'm not saying every day. Uh, was roses and candy, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, it, I think I probably hit a wall on the last tour, like the very last week that we were on mm. a really long two month run. Mm. And I mean, oh, I mean, like a wall is in, well, I'm kind of tired. Like, mm. I need to sleep. <laughs> I yeah. don't necessarily, I was really quiet. Like I got quiet and I didn't get, you know, mean or moody or anything. I was just like, I just gonna put my headphones on and sleep. And like, I'm not, there's nothing wrong. I just, I'm tired. And like we were on the road for seven weeks. Yeah. Wow. um, Yeah. I'd say that that is what you can expect from trying that you're going to, you're going to find out real fast um, if you're flexible enough. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's, and it's just so hard on your body. It's kind of hard on your, it's, I've Mm -hmm. said, you know, I mean, some people, some of us thrive in it and others, others, you know, realize it's not for them. I've thought to myself that it's not really a, a natural sort of state of being, you know, you're not really in reality anyway. And then you're like, you know, you're trying to sleep on a bus and probably some kind of a cubby or something like that or you're just like in, a, <laughs> in a different hotel and you know, there's like no real bearings, there's no real foundation. And that's tiring. I mean, I think we as humans do need our like, you need a constant, you need something that's like, this is real. This is like, this is my North Star for right now. Um, God, I think for me, that might, that was probably like, I had to find a ritual. Mm -hmm. And I was talking about this to someone about how like, for me, for all of us, like um, on on this particular tour, a lot of us loved coffee. So I I would get into you know your days do kind of become the same eventually, depending yeah. on what part of the tour you're in. So if you're on an arena run, you know you sound checked probably three or four. You're going to get picked up at the hotel at two. You're getting off the bus to walk into the venue for sound check around four or something, and you've got some time before so I would always just like go into the dressing room make some coffee make a juice go to, like and I would just like quietly start my day you know mm-hmm. um, or I would have been out if we were at a hotel I'd probably be out and then just make sure I had everything you know but yeah. like have a coffee <laughs> or like have have a beverage or start the day that way and I would just find mm-hmm. try to find a little constant or little thing that I could do that that was the same every day yeah Um, as much as I possibly could yeah but yeah it definitely becomes um harder depending again like what part of the tour you're on if you're in promo there's a lot of crazy stuff you're up early you're on radio shows you're on you know tv shows you're like it's not ideal for the voice either you know yeah you really have to I think as singers, we do have extra special work to do <laughs> mm. <laughs> on the road. It's, yeah. pretty, it's pretty hard um, <laughs> to keep ourselves healthy. So yeah. I found I've definitely got a lot of those tricks. But yeah, I think it's definitely about um, 
um, being flexible and just knowing what your limits are. And, and, and again, like you said, you find out very quickly if it's something that you're going to thrive in or, or, or not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What are like, like one or two things that you've done on, on the road to keep your voice healthy? Oh boy. Um, I sleep. (laughs) Sleep was my favorite thing. I felt like like the dwarf in Snow White and Seven Dwarfs. I was sleepy. I was just like, I'm going to be like, I wouldn't talk to people if I, if I, um, was feeling tired. Um, I, um, I would take ginger honey and, or manuka honey and some, uh, hot water, Mm. sip on that. Um, Mm. and, um, but mostly it was sleep. I just, I mean, I can't tell you, and you actually, you probably know this, that the restorative effects of sleep. Absolutely. So important. (laughs) And, And if it means you don't go out, you know, to like wherever you're in or explore, like there was a lot of those bargains I had to make with myself where I was like, I really want to see this city, but you need to, you, you're performing tonight. So you need to sleep. Yeah. And I just, you know, you just, you have to be responsible in that way. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So those were a couple of things I did. Nice. And you know, last question I have is just what do you wish you knew when you first started singing that you know now? Oh man. Um, that is a good question. Um, I, I think it's about following your, your instincts. Mm. And I knew back when I was at MI that I really loved support. I really loved being the support for musicians or for artists. Like it was something that I loved to do. It was like my favorite class at the school or live playing workshop that they had. I was in it every, like without fail um, every week for two years, two and a half years. Mm. It was probably, I guess, just that like um, there is no rush. It's mm. okay to take your time and it's okay to get good at what you do. Yeah. Because you really do have to be good at what you do to succeed. Right. I mean, we see there may be people that don't, you know, that have other examples of that, but in the world that you and I are in. Yeah you know, in the world that we're in, we have to be good at what we do. Right. So it's okay to take your time. I feel like that's what I would have liked to know. Cause I just felt like I needed to be something right away. Yeah. And, um, and that really didn't matter. Mm. I, I walked away from it and came back and, but I never stopped being, it never stopped being a part of my life. It just was something that like I needed to be good at. I needed to have some experience under my belt. I needed to like, you know, there was no rush. Like yeah. if you would, you know, if you would have told like 19 year old me that it's going to be cool. Like in a few years, you're going to be on tour with one of the biggest rock bands in the world. Like it's going to be fine. <laughs> like, mm. um, you know, there, there also was no space for that when I was going to school. Like these guys didn't tour with background singers. It wasn't mm. a part of, you know what I mean? Like everything right. happens everything happens in, in, mm. the, in the time that it's going to take to happen. Like you, that mm. it's okay to be, it's okay to take your time is what mm. I would have followed for myself and just follow your instincts. Mm. Like, you know, you know, what's good for you. You know, mm. what's bad for you, even if you don't want to look at it. Mm. But like, I knew then that I loved doing this role and that I would, it was something that I liked to do. So, um, and just not not uh, ignoring that for so long, I think, because I was always so nervous about doing it uh, for other people, and I realized it was something actually I really like to do. Mm. So, you know, especially when people are in your ear going, "Oh, you got to make your own music, you can make your own mark." Mm. I actually kind of feel like that's what I'm doing right now. Mm. Like, I'm making my own mark in a way, being the kind of support musician that I am. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And cool. <laughs> and that, that's it. <laughs> that's what I learned. That's what I would say to 19 year old me. <laughs> I love it. That's wonderful. That's great. Yes. 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 Nice. Be patient. Don't rush. You know, work on your craft. I love it. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me and, and thank you for your time and your energy. 
and you know all the beautiful things you had you had to say. I, I just I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank so. you so much. And now when we're done with this, you and I actually have to have a proper catch up, and we'll talk about more stuff. Yay! All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that. I love Erica. I love talking to her. She is so much fun, and I really hope you enjoyed it. Okay, so you can follow Erica Canales. That's E R I C A C A N A L E S on Instagram at Erica Canales Music. You can follow her on Twitter at Erica Canales. And she also has a great SoundCloud page. Um, and I'm putting all of this info on the show notes on my blog, um, theworkingsingerpodcast.com. So you can go to that and all these links will be there for you. Um, so before I sign off with you, I just want to give you what I quote unquote, I'm calling now my um, quote unquote singing lessons. <laughs> just what I think are some good notes to take away from this conversation. Number one, if you're considering background singing as part of your living, you have to have an honest talk with yourself as to whether or not being a support musician is for you. And it's like Erica was saying, uh, if you're not honest with yourself about that, it's going to come out in some way, shape, or form. So it's best to know, to know thyself before you take that gig. Number two, whether you're on tour or off, find a daily ritual to keep yourself centered. Number three, nothing restores your voice like sleep. I've lost my voice and I, I have to say no matter what kind of tea or you know remedy or humidifier or whatever that I've come up with and all of those things help, nothing has restored my voice like getting good sleep. Number four, determine what it means for you to make your mark in this world. I think it came up in the last podcast, but you have to determine for yourself what being successful means. Nobody else can define that for you. Number five, everything happens in the time it takes to happen. Number six, limit the comparisons. We all have our own journey. Number seven, the gig <laughs> is comprised of the vibe, the money, and the hang. And frankly, you want at least two out of three. You know, I've thought about this and I think for me, you know, if it isn't quite, if the money isn't quite there, I mean, sometimes you have to determine if these are just people you want to work with and get to know. And this is how, you know, we all get to know each other, honestly, is by playing together. So if you've got an opportunity to, you know, play with somebody um, who you admire and you really want to get to know, then, you know, take, take that opportunity. But decide for yourself what makes that gig worth taking. And number eight, which is my favorite, one of my favorite things I've ever heard in life. Um, when you're on the road, the real work is not the two hours you spend on stage. It's the 22 hours you have to spend with the other human beings you're on the road with. So true. <laughs> and I find that about just about any job. You know, there's this one thing, this one aspect of the job that you want to do. But there's all this other stuff that surrounds it. And I think you find out really quickly that it, you know, the job isn't about that job itself. Like singing isn't necessarily about singing and, you know, getting singing gigs, you know, a lot more goes into it than just being a good singer. Um, it's those people skills as well. And, you know, you're going to work with people that you like. You're not going to work with people that you don't like, you know, and sometimes the situation just won't be right for you. But, um, you know, I think of it as handling my end of things, you know, things that I have to work on as a human being, um, all of that can benefit me in pretty much any situation, whether it is my, my marriage or it is um, work, you know, having that compassion for other people, you know, um, trying to be understanding, being respectful. I will tell you, respect goes a long way and it definitely goes a lot further than the alternative whether that work situation is one you want to stay in or it isn't, um, you know, showing some grace <laughs> will get you a lot further than not showing that grace. So um, I think that's wonderful advice. And I'm really glad she said that. I, I've really kept it in mind ever since she said it. Um, it's those people skills, no matter what job you're doing, really, that'll get you a lot further. Um, so thank you again for listening. Visit me at theworkingsingerpodcast.com. Visit the blog. You can get these, uh, this breakdown there. Um, and email me, jamila at jamilaford.com. That's J-A-M-I-L-A-F-O-R-D. Jamila at jamilaford.com. Let me know what you think. 
<clears throat> excuse me, let me know what you think and what you'd like to hear more of in these interviews. Um, you know, I do it for you as much as anything else. And, you know, I've loved hearing from you. So I want you to get as much um, out of these conversations as you can. And um, I'm happy to hear from everybody that I've heard from that you're enjoying it and you're getting a lot out of it. So I would want you to get as much as you possibly can out of these conversations. So let me know what you think. Um, visit me on Instagram at Jamila Ford Music. And especially, especially, especially go on to Apple Podcasts and rate and especially subscribe to this podcast. It really helps it out. I really want it to grow and um, keep doing it. So thanks. I love you. I appreciate you. And I will see you next week. <laughs>